Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, here with my co-host, Light. Hey, everyone. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm a little bit um, distraught today. Distraught? Why is that? Because there's so many wonderful role-playing games <laughs> and so little time. I absolutely feel you on that one. There are so many great games out there, and uh, you know, real, real life gets in the way of playing all these great games. It, real life stops me from playing seven days a week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's a mix of uh, having to prep for the game and getting your characters ready, but then, you know, real life with uh, work and family certainly take a little bit of time as well, too. Yeah. So I know that we got a couple campaigns going on we're really having a lot of fun with, but there's other campaigns I know a lot of us would like to run or play in. And I thought today maybe we could talk about our short list. What are the ones that we'd really like to do? Maybe in a year or two, come back to it and see what we actually <laughs> accomplished. <laughs> yeah, I know right now we have, um, let's see, what are we playing? We have OSE, we have Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea. We have uh, Rifts, and then we have Dungeon Crawl Classics. And I think we're adding the uh, a zombie game here in October, All right? All flesh must be eaten. Yes, yes. I, I haven't looked, at the, I've heard of this game. I've seen people, I think some, one of the, actually one of the Wobblies we used to play with, I believe was playing that game, but I might be wrong. Yeah, I think he had it. And I think he said that he had made characters, but you know, right now we have like what, three fantasy games. Uh, one, I guess Rift is a science fiction. Science fiction, fantasy, fantasy. Gonzo style. The way yeah. we're running is very Gonzo. <laughs> so, you know, one mishmash of worlds and then a uh, post-apocalyptic zombie game coming up here in october i like post-apocalypse games uh, being into the rifts and then after the bomb for the teenage mutant ninja turtles and mutant year zero i'm really into that whole like instead of doing fantasy doing like the end of the world everything's been destroyed and kind <laughs> of like exploring in that way i like that well yeah. i guess that brings us to our first like what games would we like to run in our next you know whatever we run uh what games do you have any that you want to start off with for your short list of what you want to run and what, how you like kind of give us an idea of what it is you're looking to, to get out of that game or the interest you in it? Yeah, for sure. So we've been playing a lot of um, fantasy games. I mean, previously we had played uh, Castles and Crusades. We had two different games running on that one within Rapalant Hook and Aired. Uh, we did a little bit of uh, Amazing Adventures before, which was a pulp style game in 1930s. So for me, since we've done so many fantasy games, I really want to do like a cyberpunk game in the future. So maybe something like Carbon 2185 or a Gene Funk or maybe the uh, re redone cyberpunk that they released last year, I think it was. So for me, I'd love to get into a cyberpunk game because I think it's, you know, the opposite end of fantasy. Um, I would also like to do the uh, Call of Cthulhu Down Darker Trails. So like the weird Western style Call of Cthulhu one. So for me, those are probably the top two that I would like to run um, or play probably, but they're on my short list to, to run right now. So. so I'm familiar with the cyberpunk, the new one that came out, cyberpunk red, the, the older cyberpunk, those things stayed in print forever. I saw, I've seen those books up until the last year still yeah. on the shelves as they're old and they're not that expensive on the shelf. I just never picked it up. I'm not sure the difference in the system in those. But what was the other one you mentioned the, the, when you mentioned the cyberpunk? I'm not yeah. sure I was familiar with that one. So these were two 
new game universes, so Carbon 2185. Carbon 2185, what is that? So that's a game on its own, or is that a setting for Cyberpunk? Or? It's a game on its own, so both Carbon 2185 and then uh, Gene Funk are both done off of the 5E as a base. Oh, okay. So that's why I picked those, because I figured more people would be familiar with the 5E base versus going with like the uh, you know new Cyberpunk, which is his own system. So both Carbon 285 and Gene Funk had Kickstarters in the previous year or two, which I kickstarted. But again, they're based off of the 5E system. So that's why I decided to look at that one, those two, just because more, I figured more people would be familiar with the 5E base. On a, on a similar note, and this isn't one of my short lists, but this is something that pops into my mind. Uh, there was a recent announcement that Free League had obtained the license, Blade Runner. Blade Runner, yeah, I saw that. That's and awesome. I, I'm not. I'm usually a little a little uh, hesitant when it comes to like doing film properties and stuff for role playing games in the past and TV properties and stuff. I'm like, ah, eh, it's a TV show. I don't know about a game. But I'll be honest. Everything that Free League's been putting out, they've done a film property with the Alien game, which I, yep. I'm impressed with the game itself. It's a really cool game. It's a neat, a neat thing. And all the other stuff being in the Year Zero system, they have Mutant Year Zero, which is sort of on that post-apocalyptic line. Then they've used the system to do fantasy. They've yep. got Coriolis and Alien, which is like space opera and space horror. So you've got all these different genres they're doing with this system. I think it's cool they're introducing that cyberpunk element. At a point, you can use all these books to create all kinds of games that you come up with on your own. Like, hey, I'm going to use, you know, with the mutants, Year Zero itself, you can make robots from one book. You can make people from another book, mutant animals from another book. It's getting to be a point where you can literally probably do a Rifts game with the Year Zero <laughs> system and all the different stuff out there. They need to do a game with, like, power armor. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. So, so, I mean, that's the nice thing is once you get familiar with the base system you're able to apply it to different genres so maybe with the uh year zero system that free league is doing you know that will help overtake some of the other more popular systems like using 5e as your yeah. base oh i really like it in fact i backed a uh oh, what was the name of that game i backed a game that's supposed to do some kind of pulp uh style adventures with the year zero engine and i can't remember the name of that game yeah like, yeah i don't I, I want to call it Amazing Adventures, but I know that's not it because right. Amazing <laughs> Adventures is Castles and Crusades or Troll Lord games. The Troll Lords, yeah. But it's something along the lines like that. It's supposed to be very similar to, to that, uh, but with yep. the Year Zero system. And that's cool. Like There's lots of potential with that system. And they have the, the mini itself. You can almost create anything you want with that. Yeah, I certainly like the Year Zero system. You know, we played what Forbidden Lands off, off of that one. Yeah, Invasine. Um, Invasine, yep. So there's a lot of good games there. I'm I'm really impressed with it. So what do you have on your short, <clears throat> short list to play? You know, there's a couple things on my short list. One of them is a Year Zero system game. So I'll start there since we're doing sci-fi, but I'm dying to run Coriolis. Coriolis, yeah. And Coriolis is, they they describe it as Arabian Nights in space. It's, it's if colonization occurred by someone other than Western, Anglicized, like, you know, European colonies and uh it's interesting really unique take on science fiction there are elements of mysticism in there there are some great books that that you could use to just run this as an almost open sandbox and then there's a larger campaign i think it's called mercy of the icons and there's two large books out for that now there should be a third one out soon 
I think it would be really fun to go through those adventures and, and what they have out there for it and kind of explore that world. I had I had been wanting to run Alternity, the Star Drive yeah. campaign forever. I remember that. Um, and I, I still want to run that, but I was sitting here like, this is kind of old. It's harder for people to get a player's handbook. The system I enjoy, but it's a little harder to figure out than the year zero system. Maybe Coriolis is the direction to go because I am kind of itching for some of this weird space opera type stuff for a game. I There's a few questions I have still on the rule sets of Coriolis because there's things that differ slightly from like forbidden lands considering it is sci-fi like you have space yep. travel and stuff but how much is space travel rules we'd actually get into i don't know yet You'd probably take it easy first on that <laughs> was there a rpg for the expanse there is an expanse rpg it's done by i believe green ronin oh by green ronin okay it's a d20 based system I, that they do i think it's called fantasy age it also uses a similar system or something along those lines but i'm not 100 percent sure i haven't picked it up i've looked at it a lot I love the Expanse books. Yeah, they're amazing. I got really into them over over the COVID. I discovered the Expanse when everything shut down, and I bought all the books. And I read through them. I'm like, yeah, this would be great. This is good stuff. Yeah, because I was just uh, curious when you mentioned Coriolis with the uh, very broad, ex- you know, space explosions. I thought about the Expanse. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would love to do the Expanse. I would DM that well because I'm really kind of an Expanse geek at this point in time. It's one of my <laughs> favorite sci-fi, current sci-fi. I'm like, yeah, this is good. I feel I could do it some justice. The books are pretty wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm really into the politics of it part, especially. It fascinates me. And reading that, I could. I feel that that would be a fun game to do something like that. Problem with political game though is you kind of need all the players invested, and it's hard to do a larger political scope when it's not, you know, players in game. Right. Often it can be better with, and I'll I'll talk about the politics later too because there's something when I say politics, I mean political in game. Your game politics interacting with the game world politically, right? But there's yeah. there's a couple games I feel that would work well with. No, so, I mean I think we talked about doing like some also weird fantasy ones like uh, Troika or Morkborg at some point, haven't we? I would love to run Morkborg. I've got a bunch of stuff I've been collecting up. We can do a short campaign, a long like I th- I feel it would probably be best for a short, a shorter little campaign for a few weeks. Got the stuff. I would jump on digging through those. I have so many things from Philip Reed. Yeah, Philip Reed's really out, good. Yeah, and a lot of other people uh, has put out various zines and indie publications for Morkborg. So we got a ton of it on the shelf waiting to go. As soon as we have a slot to run workboard, we'll do it. And it will be fun. <laughs> yeah. And I love my old death metal. Lord knows I grew up. I was so excited <laughs> when I was a kid. I was a teenager when King Diamond came to town with Mercy. Oh, King Diamond. Yep. And all Playing the all the, all the rumors were demons fly around and kill people. Someone, he got banned from Cincinnati because someone yeah. got stabbed and all these rumors. And back then you didn't have the internet to to confirm the rumors with more conspiracy theories, it just kind of got passed around the school right. and stuff. <laughs> and we went up to go see King Diamond, and he got up there with this woman on the stake, and he yanks out a baby. It's a baby doll. He's killing a baby, like a little plastic baby doll, biting fake blood spray. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun. We got so into it. It was so cheesy. <laughs> But well, capturing that cheese, that's kind of like a base of, cheese. Yes. <laughs> it's the cheese of metal that I appreciate how campy it gets. The six, 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 Satan. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll make sure we uh, paint up our faces. Uh, I am evil. <laughs> I love that stuff. 
That's so fun. I, I, I appreciate that they've done that there, Mark Board, merging into that metal area that I was so into as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> so what's next on your short list? Uh, well, those were a couple of games that I would like to, um, you know, run or DM. But as a player, for me, I would love to replay some of the classic D&D 1E modules. So playing through like your classic Ravenloft or Tomb of Horrors or even the whole Dragonland series. So for me as a player, I would just love to go replay like, you know, whatever the top 10 AD&D 1E modules of all time or top 25, whatever it may be in Dragonlands using the old, um, well, maybe not the classic 1E system, but maybe a slightly updated um, 1E system, but playing through those modules, either with um, the Castles and Crusades rule set or maybe the um, Chromatic Dungeon rule set, some of the more modernized, you know, retro clones, but again, playing the old classic, you know, Gygax, Tracy Hickman, Laura Weiss type of modules for me would be fun as a player. I think one of the things that I'd like to do that may be a little less, uh, but in the vein of it, but not quite that, is I'd really like to go and do a full-on Osric campaign with some total D&D nerds, like guys and people, folks that are just like, really into it and like to read rule books and willing to get into some of the nuances of some of the some of the details of the game itself from AD&D using like the Osric foundation and the reason is is because I think I don't know if this this discussion was ever made on a podcast but I know I had it with John and it may have been on a podcast we did and it may have been off the podcast when you're preparing but yeah the reason I want to kind of do that campaign with those nuances is when you start looking at things like, um, like I, one of the things I'd like to run with it would be the Halls of Arden Bowl. Yeah, when you start you looking about that. like the experience points and getting that from gold spent, trying to seek out people to teach you so you can level up. And you start looking at things like building a stronghold and trying to hold on to that gold. So that you have these start creating these goals where you kind of have to have the drive to do it yourself, building those strongholds, making those connections to other players, doing the dungeon delving and going through it. You can start building a political game, you know, just by having your stronghold and your property and having the conflicts that can arise around that and having drives for characters that are, that can kind of push them your goal and level up and keep on a whole lot of your stronghold and all that. You'd really make an interesting game with people who are willing to kind of do the nuances of all the, you know, we're checking the turns and rounds. We're checking the prices in the stronghold guide. We're checking out, pulling out the guide for the hirelings and stuff. And being able to role play through those nuances, not just do it as numbers, but use that as part of, okay, so you need a hireling. Let's interact. And we interact and meet these NPCs. And you find your trainer and there's a story behind yeah. each one of them. And there's maybe a goal or quest in behind each one of them. You start building a larger story around the player characters and their drive to conquer or whatever i think that could be a fun game to run with ad and d but it would take a certain kind of player willing to kind of do some more of the in the weeds rule set nuances in between game and everything else yeah i mean for something like that for me as a player i would need to be able to <laughs> spend a lot of my time focusing on it and mm -hmm. you know currently obviously with how busy work and life and other stuff is yeah difficult for me because for me i'd be like you know what we could do like a 12-hour campaign <laughs> session with that easily easily oh yeah but, you could get real you could get some like i could spend the whole day doing that and you're interacting yeah, exactly. like with all the different characters in the town that we've been developing and stuff like that you can have you could really get into fleshing out a fun game 
and a different approach to it. Uh, I've, that's a game I've been wanting to play for a while or run that AD&D campaign there I have in my mind. Um, but finding the right players for it, people who are interested in running that, understand that's not a game for everyone. <laughs> yeah, correct. I mean, a lot of the games that we play today, you know, we play for, you know, maybe three, three hours total. So we try to get a little bit more fast paced just because we have limited amount of time to play weekly. So we try to move things a little bit quicker that way. So we gloss over a lot of, like you said, the interactions, the um, training or development of characters and such, you know, those we might do like a, a downtime yeah. once every five sessions type of thing. So, you know. Well, I, I, I remember, so the way I play now is that it tends to be four hour sessions are the longest sessions I get anymore. Yep. But I know in my late teens and in my early 20s, we would sit at like one of my buddy's kitchen tables or something. We'd have people would have two liters of, of soda. We'd have a pot, pot of coffee in the other room. There'd be piles of pizza or Taco Bell at the table. Lost my first original Riffs book to Papa John's garlic butter saturated <laughs> the thing. And so I had to throw it away because it was just soft, just so completely through with garlic butter. But we'd stay up. We would have eight, 10 hour sessions all through the night, just chain smoking and drinking coffee and eating crappy food. Lord knows this what gave me a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> but we, it was just like, like it, we would just be lost in this game. And there was a lot of old AD&D games done that way when we were younger. And we just have all the time in the world to be up all night, just completely immersed in it. No out of care in the world. I didn't have kids yet. I wasn't married. <laughs> it was, yeah. Obviously, uh, things things change as you, as you get older, so we're not able to, to devote, you know, a full eight to twelve hours one day. You know, it's like, well, that's let's commitment. See. That's commitment. <laughs> like, well, let's see. I gotta do groceries, mow the grass, vacuum the house, blah blah blah, blah blah blah. That's more than most people commit to church. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so but something that we definitely got to plan for in the future, maybe when we have a little bit more time. <laughs> Some eight to 12 hour days of uh, gaming. Yeah. Yeah. One of these days I'll be able to get back to, I, I'm going to get a, one of these days, I hope it's not in retirement, but one of these days I'm going to have that day every other week, even if it's just every other week we'll get together and like, this is the day we're going to play all day and we're not going to break until late night. We're going to be playing late into the night and we're going to have a game like that. And it's going to happen again. <laughs> it's going to have a, a dedicated, dedicated group of people who are, just wanting to put themselves through that kind of suffering. <laughs> <laughs> it's not suffering. It's just the uh, time commitment. Cause yeah, like you said earlier, you know, you might be in the middle of the game and then your partner calls or maybe the kids call or something else pops up. So, well, as the kids get older, they call us. <laughs> so eventually they'll be okay. We're good to go. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Who do we do? Oh, we just did my, my, the, my desire to do the hollows of Ardenval with Osric. Um, yes. Are there games that you want to be a player in? Are there games? Oh, there's a lot I want to play in. Yeah, there's a ton. And in fact, I have like core books to games I've that I've got on my shelf because when it comes up to play, I want to play in that. And I could just give you a random list of a ton of games that I have. I'm not going to take the time to learn the rule set, but I would love to play it. Perhaps if I played it, I'd learn the rule set and want to run it. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of them like that. Numenera 
this a lot of the Monty Cook stuff that I have. Traveler, I'd love to. I've got the original Traveler 77 box. I've got the Traveler 5. I've got some Traveler stuff. Never played it. Love to play in it. You know, I could go on for days. RuneQuest, I could just, I have so many on my shelves that I'd love to play. So I've got the book there. When it comes up, I'm going to be like, yeah, I got the book. I'm prepared to play it. But I'm not going to probably run those ones. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of that's just learning larger systems. Like I'd be more inclined to run one of these mini games for a few sessions. Like we just did an episode on Karen. I'd be more inclined to run something like that for a few sessions than one of these larger, more difficult books that some of the big companies put out little zine type games and things like that because they're easier to pick up on they're not as complex the rules like like Morkborg. so those are the things I, I i'm gravitating towards for running and when it comes to playing role-playing games i'm just i'm down for most every role-playing game for the most part someone's going to run it <laughs> <laughs> now um, that's true within our gaming group obviously we have multiple uh dungeon master game master referees and that way you know we can change up the different games and rule sets. Uh, we don't have to learn every rule set as Logar was saying. And, you know, it adds flavor as we have different styles of dungeon mastering and refereeing. Yeah, and I think another thing that helps there is you learn from each other. We can yep. pick up stuff and talk about things and kind of pick up from each other. And there isn't like, this is the person who leads the group all the time. We have different people stepping up at different times. And if, if you're dungeon mastering, you understand what it's like to DM. So it changes the way that you play when you have most of the players who are DMs that we all kind of, I think it helps for the playing itself. Yeah, for sure. Nope. We do have a lot of games we want to play. I mean, for me, I also want to get into some like uh, horror games at some point. So maybe playing like uh, East Texas University or Kids on Bikes. Um, I know we did a session of Dark Places of Demigorgons for a Halloween session, which I really, really liked. We need uh, to talk. We need to talk about this year's Halloween oh, session because it's yeah, coming it's up. Quick. It's coming up. <laughs> you you do, that dark places and demigorgons. I just want to put this out here for that. What I like about that is that it's basically using an OSR D and D structure of rule sets. So if you go to run it, you don't have a lot you have to learn if you're used right. to playing those games. It's it's easy to grab and like, okay and get into real quick if you're used to role playing your basic type of D and D A D and D those types of games, not a hugely complicated thing to get into, not a lot of new stuff to learn, just new different classes and fun stuff. Yeah, so that's that determines sometimes what I'm going to run or play is the fact that if and one of the reasons I like having like open licenses and stuff is that when I pick up something from bloat games a lot of the times the systems are based on things i'm familiar with and i know how to run it and even if i don't get all the rules right I, I know how to run it with that enough that i can just run with it and i don't have to sit here and try to learn a new rule set it's stuff that's compatible with what i have i can go for it it's something new fresh unique and different and i like that people are putting that out and it's easy to use yeah i would agree with you and that's why for a lot of the games i've been picking up as you mentioned, either within the OSR base set or 5E, or um, for me, I like the Chaosium basic role play system with percent percentile rows. So I try to stay within that realm of gaming, even though I've played other games like Savage Worlds and Burning Wheel and even with you, Palladium and stuff. So 
Yeah. And so one of my things when determining to run something is if, do I know the full rule set? So a lot of what I want to run is stuff that I already know the rule set with. If I don't know the full rule set, I'd rather be a player in that game personally. Fully agree. Fully agree. Now I have, I have, I have in recent years kind of come on to learning the year zero system and it wasn't a hard one to pick up. It seems like a simpler system to me, but I've played a lot of role-playing games over the years as well. I'm curious as to how that would someone who maybe hasn't played as many different ones would approach learning it. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with the years, year zero, since we had the uh, online row 20 to help us manage the dice pool for me, that made life a lot simpler to pick up because of that managing the dice pool. I think, and, and I like that online, but I do think that if we, if we sit down to play in person, uh, it's going to be a little easier to do a dice pull if I can just play here and point it out to you on the paper and show you the dice. It'll it'll make a lot of sense. Um, one campaign I'm dying to go to is I'd like to go do just a long ongoing sandbox in the Lost Lands again with swords and wizardry instead of castles and crusades this time and kind of delve into some of the books they have out there. Maybe going back to places like Rapunzel and and the uh, lost city of Baracus and some of these other things that are out there and seeing how far we can go with a campaign, exploring some of that. I like just that hex crawl sandbox open world. I'd like to do more within the lost lands and that dying to go back to that with swords and wizardry specifically. I think it would be a great game because it is so rules light. I think there's a lot more I can do with that. The Republican campaign that we had that ran for over a year. Yeah, I don't think, I think it ran, it may have run for almost two years. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I think it ran about two. Um, and I wish it could, it's just once we got online, it, like there was a big shift. We lost some of the our normal players that were in it and we gained some new players. After we kind of like, we were, had less players, we decided we'd start testing out other games on that night just to see where it went. We played a few other games and then we picked up a regular OSE game on that night eventually. Yeah. And I would like to definitely explore more because there's so much to explore in the Lost Lands, like so many adventures and so much stuff we haven't even begun to touch that I would love to play around and continue to explore in there. No, I mean, I've been stealing a lot of um, Frog God Lost Land modules for our Hyperborea campaign as well, too. Yeah, they got so some good ones. They have, they have a lot of material for sure. Yeah, the Lost Lands is just, I've got so much for it. I just, I, I'd like to delve into it and maybe do a little more now that i've ran it for two years and have some better feeling and 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 know it a little more i'd definitely like to start a new campaign from scratch in the lost lands being like this is a place i'm familiar with i'm gonna go with it (laughs) the other thing too is i'd really like to like when i say i want to run that ad&d campaign and stuff with uh halls doing things like halls of ardenval i'd like to do just kind of a homebrew type thing kind of like pulling into other stuff like spell jammers and dark sun and all the different various old classic AD&D books like the manual the planes and bringing yeah. all this stuff and just kind of go <clears throat> kind of just going random crazy gonzo with it for some reason I'm attracted to the space idea and uh just going doing a big gonzo AD&D campaign would be fun to, for me <laughs> yeah that might be another one of those uh, long campaigns that, that we did plan to spend some time on to do like an eight-hour session <laughs> Yeah, well, something like that. If I'm just going just crazy, like open sandbox world that's just open to like planar travel and space travel, spell jammers and and uh, manual of the planes and all that. 
we could just go crazy with that game and throw everything at it. We could jump into old classic modules or newer modules, or I could just take it in a completely different directions from odd little zines and publications that mix things up. And you could just go crazy with that game. And that one, that one is the campaign probably that's number one on my list to run at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking through the <clears throat> list right here. I mean, we had done a superhero game with Heroes Unlimited for a period of time, but you know, I would love to get back into superheroes at some point as well in the future. And I know I I would love to do some more superheroes games. I got that uh, that one from Bloat Games that looks like it's really easy and good to run. I would not mind running that. I believe it's called Vigilante City. Oh yeah, Vigilante City. Yep, I, I remember seeing. I, I don't have that one, but I remember seeing that one. It's it's not an expensive book. Uh, I want to say it's about twenty bucks if you find the book. There's a couple. There's like four of them. I have the first two, but you can run your game off those easy. I would love to jump into Vigilante City. My thing is that I played so many superhero role-playing games. It's kind of the foundation of my gaming. I miss it, and I'm always ready to jump into that. Like, we did a lot of lot of world-building with superhero stuff. It was a lot of fun. So I'm definitely down for a superhero game. Yeah, because there are a lot of quite a few good ones out there. You know, we got um, Prowlers and Paragons that our friend yes. that we game with Len released. There's uh, the one that you, you mentioned with Vigilante City. There's the old Super World from Chaosium. Of course, there's also Champions or the Hero System as well. So there's a lot of options out there for superhero gaming. And my 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 longtime game, which I don't think I don't think Light is a fan of, is the uh, the Heroes Unlimited from Palladium. <laughs> it's a Palladium system, man. That character creation just kills me, man. <laughs> character creation is rough. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> well, that's about all we have time for today. I want to thank you all for joining us. Check out our website, wobbliesandwizards.com. You can like and follow us on Facebook. Please leave us a positive review wherever you're listening to this at. Help us get out there. Share an episode if you enjoy it. Tell your friends about us and keep those dice rolling. And may you have enough dice to roll for all the games you play. <laughs>